Hello and welcome to another episode of the Global Data Pod. I'm your host, Nora Santivani, Global Economist at JP Morgan. Uh, so today we'll be talking about inflation expectations and uh, you know what the latest surveys are telling us, what all that means for central bank policy. You know, we've seen that central banks have been tightening aggressively in response to multi-decade highs in inflation. What we see in the latest inflation uh, data, the CPI data themselves, is that headline inflation globally has started to moderate quite significantly in the last few months. Uh, the run rate through September is less than half the rate we saw in the first half. Uh, but nonetheless, inflation remains still very elevated and, and well above central bank targets. Uh, in particular, underlying inflation remains very intense. Uh, labor markets have continued to tighten. Wage inflation is quite strong generally. Now, a particular concern is that inflation, high inflation could get embedded into wage and price setting behavior. And that would make it much more challenging and, and, and ultimately more costly for central banks to bring inflation back to target. Uh, with me today uh, to discuss this, uh, this uh, super important topic are three of my colleagues from JP Morgan Economic Research, uh, Mike Faroli, US Chief Economist, uh, Greg Fuzeshi, Euro Area Chief Economist, and last but not least, Jose Cervera, who's the Chief Economist for the CE3, that is Poland, Czech Republic, and Hungary. So yeah, we'll be talking about whether kind of central bank actions here are starting to maybe gain traction in bringing inflation expectations down, how much more tightening is needed. And we'll be contrasting and comparing across the three regions. Uh, maybe starting with the US, starting with you, Mike. In the, the, the post-meeting conference, the last one uh, that we had from the FOMC Chair Powell uh, referred to the pain that would likely be associated with the disinflation process. We also saw in the minutes there was mention of risks that inflation expectations could become unanchored and also wage price spiral could emerge. Maybe you could talk us through first what the latest survey-based inflation expectation measures are telling us and whether these risks are uh, perhaps materializing or not. Yeah, so I think one thing you see in the surveys comes across pretty clear. One year ahead, inflation expectations remain pretty elevated, uh, but longer term inflation expectations have uh, generally come back down over the last few months. Uh, so if we look at uh, on the household side, the two, the two ones we focus on the most are the University of Michigan survey of uh, consumer sentiment and the New York Fed uh, survey of consumer expectations. Uh, in both of those, the longer run inflation expectation numbers are at 2.9%, which is basically right where they were, you know, on average prior to the to the COVID downturn. Shorter term expectations, however, still pretty elevated. So at the one year horizon, Michigan's at 5.1, New York Fed's at 5.4. Both of those have come down, come off their peak a little bit. So that's the good news. The bad news is, as I said, they are uh, elevated. And then I think when you look at, you know, some of the other surveys, uh, those, are, those are the two major ones we have for households. There are a couple of ones for businesses. Uh, those, you know, generally are one year ahead and those generally are elevated, but coming off, um, coming off their peak scene earlier in the spring and summer. Okay, so it sounds like expectations have, Kind of started to come off their highs the longer term expectations 
generally appear well anchored around the Fed's target, but but clearly current inflation is still very high, right? Um, so you know, bringing down inflation is is obviously the Fed's priority right now. Uh, but there's there's you know there's some degree of uncertainty about what it will take uh, to achieve this. So how do we kind of measure the uh, so-called cost of disinflation. What are the variables that really matter? Is it current inflation or inflation expectations? What 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 kind of matters more for, you know, how much pain yeah. required? Yeah. Right. You know, I think there's some uncertainty around this, right? And whether you know, if it is just longer-term inflation expectations, then the pain could actually be pretty, uh, pretty modest, because as I said, the longer-term expectations appear pretty well anchored. I guess the other thing I'd say is. While shorter run expectations are elevated, you know, when you forecast shorter run expectations, uh, they generally tend to revert to longer run expectations, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but they are influenced by energy prices. So if energy prices level off here, uh, then I think we can expect to see shorter run expectations continue to move uh, lower. And so the, the, the cost may not be all that great. Mm-hmm. Um, However, you know, I think there is some concern that um, it may be uh, that trend in, you know, even if that, that these survey measures may not capture the, the true cost of the disinflation and that there may be some sort of persistence, inherent persistence in inflation that would require more of a, a, a disinflation cost. I guess the last thing I'd add is, um, you know, right now the FOMC, the median participant, uh, it, thinks that the natural rate of unemployment um, is 4%. And so at the minimum, I think, to be you know confident here that we're going to get inflation under control, you want, you want the unemployment rate back to the natural rate. Now, 4% isn't that far from where we are now, which is 3.5%. But if the true natural rate is something like 5%, which some people think it is, and we think there's a good case for that as well, then you know, one and a half points, uh, one and a half point increase in the unemployment rate is is not trivial. Uh, so that's, I think, something else you can mind with thinking about the the likely pain ahead. Right. So, uh, but when the when you look at the Fed's own forecast, they seem fairly optimistic, right, in terms of the amount of labor market pain that that's kind of required to to bring inflation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have been moving. So <laughs> earlier in the year, they were very optimistic. Uh, I think. Recently, you've seen perhaps one might argue more realism, or uh, 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 however you want to characterize it. They are sh- starting to show more of an increase in unemployment in their forecasts. So they they are optimistic, but they're moving in a debate, then moving in a direction of you know gradually less optimism uh, when it comes to the labor market. Yeah. Okay. Now, how does the kind of uh, shape or slope of the Phillips curve affect all this, right? Because if you think about deviations in unemployment from its natural rate, you know, what if these have a very limited impact on inflation ultimately? Like, what does that then imply for kind of much work that the Fed needs to do? Right. So one of the, you know, motivations for the recent framework review was the belief that the Phillips curve was very, very flat. So in other words, inflation was not very responsive to slack. Uh, if that continues to be the case, then uh, then it's bad news because uh, you would think that means if trend inflation has moved higher, uh, getting trend inflation lower is going to require even more 
uh, labor market slack to um, to get that trend uh, trend down. Uh, that being said, you know I think it's 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 pretty hard to uh, explain the current bout of inflation simply with labor market slack. Uh, and certainly that was the case last year. You know, last year when we really started to see inflation spike higher, you had unemployment was 5%. Now, you know, I think and more recently, we're starting to see wage growth that looks, you know, unsustainably strong. And so I do think um, the Phillips curve uh, framework is probably, you know, better suited for explaining the inflation of the last six to 12 months. But I don't think I think there's definitely a big chunk of what we're seeing in inflation that is related to things that are um, a bit mysterious, but certainly mm -hmm. there's certainly some global common component here uh, because otherwise we wouldn't be having this call with as many of my colleagues. Um, so there's something else besides just lack that is uh, has been driving the recent yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with that in mind, you know, given the, the significance of the labor market tightness and stoking inflation, I mean, I know it's not all that, but um, shouldn't we be focusing more on maybe survey based expectations of wages or income like wage expectations rather than just looking at consumer price expectations? What, what, what are your thoughts? On yeah. That? I agree. I mean, certainly when you when people talk about the wage price spiral, the type of thing they have in mind is that, you know, workers see higher inflation and they demand higher wages. Um, unfortunately, we don't have many measures of wage expectations. Uh, the ones we do have have generally looked pretty benign. Certainly the one from the University of Michigan looks pretty benign. The one from the New York Fed is a little bit elevated relative to pre pre-pandemic levels, but, but still running, you know, pretty decently below the most recent uh, run rates on wage inflation. So I think that suggests that if we do get some deterioration in the labor market, workers will, you know, perhaps be content with um, more modest wage gains. Mm. All right. All right. So before we shift to the euro area, maybe we could just get your um, kind of two-minute view on uh, you know, your, your own outlook for uh, inflation and, and the Fed, you know, we, we published a piece, you, you, you and your team published a piece recently on uh, the drivers of U.S. inflation. And, you know, it looks like you're looking for a pretty large but uh, perhaps incomplete drop in, in, in inflation, core inflation over the coming year. So I guess one interesting question would be how the Fed might interpret that easing off in inflation. Um, so maybe you could talk us through that. and yeah. then. You're kind of yes, bottom line as to as to the possibility of painless disinflation. It <laughs> kind of sounds like that's not very much a that's not um, a very <laughs> likely outcome. Yeah. So um, uh, my colleagues Dan Silver and, and Phoebe White had a nice note last week uh, going through some of the recent drivers of inflation. Uh, and some of those look like we could see a little bit of relief coming uh, pretty soon. Uh, certainly on. Uh, Certain elements of goods pricing seem like they're due for a little bit of a softer run here. Um, so we do see that uh, helping, but again, with labor markets as tight as they are, I don't think that alone is enough to ensure, um, you know, return to 2% inflation. Uh, so in terms of what we're thinking for the Fed and how they need to get this done, um, we and basically everyone are looking for 75 basis points at their next meeting next week. Uh, 
Then the following meeting after that, we have been looking for them to step down to 50 basis point hikes and recently got some good confirmation. That's, you know, an appropriate uh, outlook from some, you know, well, well-sourced uh, media reports uh, last week. Uh, and I think, you know, December is probably a good time to do it because that's the meeting at which they're going to update their dots. And so I think uh, being able to step down while still, you know, guiding the market to even more hikes uh, next week, uh, I'm sorry, next year would limit the amount of, you know, risk on sort of cheerleading that, you know, any step down might uh, engender. Mm -hmm. uh, we have them hiking another 25 uh, in um, in Jan, Feb, and think that they, you know, we have that as terminal, uh, which would be 475, but we do believe that they will continue to do 25 bit hikes until they are um, comfortable that job growth is slowing materially. All right, thanks. Thanks for that, Mike. So what I'm getting from you is that when we look at these longer term measures of inflation expectations, there are some signs that perhaps um, Fed tightening is gaining some traction in bringing inflation expectations in line with uh, the Fed's long run objective, but there's still some work to do here and that the disinflation process is not going to be uh, painless here. Now, when we think about the euro area, Greg, um, you know, we see that euro inflation is, is very high, um, you know, higher, higher than in the US actually, um, in headline terms. And at the same time, the policy rate is very low, right? Is this a concern for you? Uh, is there, in light of that, is there any evidence of on anchoring of longer term inflation expectations in the euro area, what are you seeing? I mean, I think the answer to that is, is no. Even if you look at the commentary from the hawkish ECB policymakers, even they are saying that um, inflation expectations still look well anchored over the medium term. There has been concern around the tail of the distribution in, in some of the surveys. So we have the uh, survey of professional forecasters, which is a a survey of essentially economists or ECB watchers, that is the longest running survey based measure, essentially, apart from the European Commission survey, but that's a bit harder to uh, tease information out of because it only looks uh, essentially one year ahead. Um, but in the SPF survey, what you have seen is that the, the, the top end of the distribution has gone up somewhat. So there are a few people and more than in the past, who are saying that inflation over the medium term could be 3% plus, let's say. Um, and that, that's been cited by some of the hawks as something uh, worth watching. Now, interestingly, the ECB staff then put a paper out in their economic bulletin where they um, actually went into the survey and identified the people who gave those responses um, and then put together a time series showing what those individual people tend to or have, have given as their responses in the past. And essentially their responses have no leading properties for where the average or the median will go in that survey. So they tend to be more jumpy to changes in headline inflation uh, in terms of their medium term forecasts for inflation. I mean, here you're, you're scratching at the, the tail of the distribution to find something that is unanchoring. And it's, it's not clear that that is anything more than just noise. Mm -hmm. um, 
there, there is a new household survey which the ECB has conducted or uh, conducts uh, monthly. And, and that, is, that has a forward-looking expectation for three years out um, on households. And that was running around 2% and has gone up to three. But to be honest, this has a very, very short history. And therefore, it's hard to know how significant um, that move is. So mm -hmm. I, I would say that overall, when you look at the, 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 the various surveys and also the market-based measures, the five-year, five-year from the inflation swaps, that there's no real evidence that the medium-term inflation expectations are, are becoming unanchored at this point. Uh, and as Mike mentioned, you know, maybe we should be looking more towards the wage data for signs of an anchoring, um, right? In particular for the euro area, we don't have very good uh, consumer uh, price surveys. What are your thoughts around uh, the risks of a wage price spiral developing in the euro area? Are you uh, maybe less concerned than in the US? Is the ECB concerned about this as a risk? What, what do you think about, about that? Um, that kind of risk materializing. Yeah, I mean, I, I my my view here is that I'm I'm quite agnostic. Um, that you know we are in a situation where the labour market is tight. Headline inflation is at levels that we haven't seen for you know decades. Um, so therefore, we need to be quite humble about what we know or you know our, our ability to judge where the wage data will come in. Um, having said that there is nothing in the wage data that makes me think that inflation expectations as reflected in actual wage out turns are becoming unanchored. Um, you know, last week we had a, a deal in the German chemical and pharmaceutical sector, which essentially had pay increases of 3.2% uh, for the next year and a half. Um, and that, if you consider where unemployment is, where uh, the reported labour shortages are in business surveys, um, and where the level of headline inflation is, I mean, I would describe that um, outcome as, as actually quite weak. Um, so, the you know, there's no sign that there's a real unanchoring at the moment. Mm -hmm. Now, at the euro area level, you've got negotiated pay, which is, I would say, at the moment, running around 3%. Um, we have quarterly volatility there, but if you look at the monthly data and I think where it's settling, it's around 3%. And in a forward-looking sense, the, the deals that are being stri struck at the moment aren't giving you further accelerations uh, further out. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would describe that as actually surprisingly benign almost mm -hmm. um, at the moment. Okay, so less less concern around a wage price spiral, generally more modest wage growth uh, than in the US. Broadly speaking, no real concerns about longer term inflation expectations and anchoring. And also you have the prospect of a near term uh, supply shock induced recession in the euro area, right? So, you know, the ECB has been slow to adjust policy rates, slower than, than the Fed. I mean, putting everything together you know, how, how much tightening here is really needed to kind of bring inflation back down? It sounds like maybe not a whole lot, um, and maybe the ECB doesn't need to go as restrictive as the Fed. Is that fair in your view? Uh, yes, I mean, you know, we, we have, I mean, I have the policy rate getting to 2% by year end, and then officially not moving any further 
from there onwards. Um, now I have said in the in the preview and also in, in some other places that I can see the ECB throwing in another one or two hikes of 25 basis points uh, to go to 225 or to 250. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I still struggle to see or to convince myself that the medium term inflation outlook is already so unanchored that they need to go into really restrictive territory. And as you say, the, the, the spike in gas prices and energy prices in general, which is a supply side shock, in some senses doing some of the work of monetary tightening in the near term. Now, there is uncertainty about how deep that downturn actually will be. And some of the data are, you know, they are, mod they are slowing and the PMI is moving into contraction territory, but it's doing it more slowly than in some sense expected. So perhaps the, the relief in terms of unemployment will be smaller than expected and that does bias rates higher um, eventually from from the ECB um, but it's it's not entirely clear to me that at this point um, the medium-term inflation outlook is settling far above the target uh, you know the ECB staff had, had um, in September a forecast of 2.3 percent <throat> for headlining core in 2024 um, which I think includes still some indirect effects from the increases in gas prices and since then gas prices have obviously come down very substantially I mean back in September they still assumed an average of 235 megawatts per hour next year and currently we're on 140 in the market so you know 100, 100 euros a megawatt hour less um, and you know the wage data are actually undershooting somewhat potentially the ECB staff forecast so it's not all one-way traffic on the inflation side. Of course, yeah. in terms of the incoming data, it is, but in terms of the medium-term outlook, it's not. Yeah, no, no, that makes a lot of sense. All right, okay, thanks for that, Greg. Uh, so now we get into the juicier part of the podcast with, uh, as we turn to emerging markets. Uh, you know, maybe just before I, I turn to Jose, a word on that. So generally for emerging markets, inflation expectations tend to be a bit more adaptive than in developed markets. That means they, you know, tend to reflect more the present situation. They tend to have a weaker uh, forward-looking signal. We are encouragingly seeing inflation expectations broadly across emerging markets stabilizing, albeit at elevated levels. And that's thanks in part to the proactive response from EM central banks that have been tightening early and quite aggressively. But it's also clear from the very high and widening dispersion of these inflation expectations across countries that policy credibility matters and is much weaker in some EM countries than others. Uh, so with that intro, Jose, let's turn to the C3 region. Uh, we can see in your region that inflation is uh, in double digits. Uh, it's uh, obviously very high. Um, how has this very high inflation affected inflation expectations? Uh, have inflation expectations become unanchored at this point, you think, in C? And um, to what extent do central banks even pay attention to these various surveys of, of inflation expectations? Do you think they matter? And what are they telling us? Uh, I think the way you characterized it before, Nora, for the generality of EM is true uh, in, in the C region, uh, the sense that 
the surveys tend to track inflation pretty well and have a pretty weak uh, forward-looking signal. So if we look right now at the surveys that we have, which are mostly at the consumer level, they are still showing inflation in or expectations for Poland, Czech Republic having peaked, but still rising higher and higher in Hungary. And that's exactly what the data is doing, like what the real data is doing. Mm -hmm. so they are quite similar. In, 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 in the few bits where we have a bit more visibility, so the, the Czechs uh, have um, some sort of financial market survey, which goes a bit beyond this and asks participants for three year ahead expectations. So that has been moving higher. It's nothing comparable to the one year, but it tells you that, look, I, I'm going to answer this in this way because I'm one of the respondents to the survey. And essentially you're saying, can they bring it to 2% in three years? And normally you say yes, right? Normally you have pretty good mm -hmm. faith that one way or another, they're going to push harder or softer, but they will get there. And right now what you see is that that number is creeping higher from 2% and it's already around 3%. So I think you have a bit of a, of a challenge there in, in terms of belief from, the, from financial market participants. I think the consumer surveys are much less informative and therefore I think the central banks have also grown used to uh, looking more at the actual inflation data than to the surveys as, as a form of getting any forward-looking information. I think they are not very rich in that sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, okay, then maybe to what extent do central banks pay attention to the wage data or wage-related surveys and more generally, what do you think about the risk of a wage price spiral developing in the sea? Maybe particularly in contrast to the way Mike and Greg have described it for their their regions. Is there more of a concern in C around that? It's it's actually funny. So within within this region, we have like a variety of situations, and they can relate to either of of those views that was expressed before. So uh, in the Czech case, uh, there is in fact very deeply negative real wage developments. And in the other two, you still have inflation, uh, sorry, you still have wage dynamics creeping higher. So you have uh, wage statistics accelerating every month. They are no longer, however, matching inflation one-to-one. -one. So real, real wage dynamics are turning negative there as well. But it's funny that of all these three countries, the one that has deep negative real wages is the one central bank expressing concern about wage price spiral which is the cnb they keep talking mm -hmm. about it you know that they were um, one of the first central banks to start hiking and they were also one of the first uh, at least uh, in, in in this time zone they were among the first to stop uh, like maybe three months ago and since then they are kind of talking about the wage development of some sort of precondition or potential trigger to reconsider hiking again but we have mm -hmm. not seen those in in Hungary and Poland. I think it's less important. I think Hungary doesn't uh, really consider it that much, and Poland. The in Poland, the central bank almost collapses if the, if wages accelerate. It's kind of seen as a good thing right now. So I think the the broader environment is one where yes, I think expectations can be anchor. The degree to which they can be anchor, it's of course very difficult to assess. Uh, given the um, opacity of, of the service and of actually inferring expectations. But I think we, overall, I think what you see in terms of anecdotal evidence, in terms of uh, more contracts having inflation clauses of more direct pricing in euro in, in many industries, especially 
in countries like Hungary, where inflation has been even higher than in the others. So I think you have some degree of the anchoring of expectations, both anecdotally and in the few uh, or the, the little data that we have uh, on surveys. So I think mm -hmm. central banks should worry about this at this point. And it's not obvious at all that the level of tightening that they have embedded uh, right now is enough to bring inflation back, which is why, yeah. although we have deceleration in inflation next year at the core level, we will still have N23 core CPI uh, between five and a half and eight percent. So it's below what we have now, because in line with what others said in the region, there's supply shocks in the mix and things that we think can fade. But the broader underlying price pressure, I think, will be difficult to totally eliminate uh, quickly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I mean, what does this all mean for monetary policy then in the C3 region? Um, you know, the, you know, this region, central banks have been trying to halt their, their hiking cycles uh, with kind of mixed, mixed results or mixed success. So what do you think from here onwards? Do you think it, they're in a position to, to stop or does it kind of vary by country? I think it, 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 it's really, it's really a, a difficult situation for them because in, in a sense we are discussing like how much pain they have to bring on the economy, but for totally unrelated reasons to them, the pain is coming earlier on, right? So we are already having a deceleration that is brought by something else. So namely the, the energy shock that Greg mentioned before also. So we are having deceleration already, de facto deceleration in Q2, the region grew below potential in Q3, it will grow again below potential in Q4 again, and who knows for how long, but I think for, for a good number of quarters at least. So in this setup, uh, is this enough to, to, to reduce these expectations to bring down demand? Uh, I think all these central banks are going to be in a wait and see mode and hoping that it's enough. So they are hoping that the deceleration that is already occurring is going to be enough and bail them out of doing and being the bad guys and doing the hard job. Um, so essentially, whoever is going to hike more is whoever has no other chance. And at this moment, like the pressure has been more intense on the National Bank of Hungary. They had to do the most tightening so far. But on the other two, the Czech uh, National Bank and the National Bank of Poland, they have been a bit more protected from market fury, let's say, and they have been able to defend currencies with FX interventions, but also with, let's say, it like with better fundamentals as a starting point that the market recognizes. So for now, the pressure has been such that Hungary has been forced to hike and uh, may have to hike more even. And in the Czech Republic and, and Poland, I think they are even more reluctant to move and they have the means so far or they have had the means so far to do so. So I expect that the Czechs will be on hold unless we have a big change in the data dynamics soon, like a big reacceleration or a show up in wages that has been absent so far. Uh, in the case of Poland, I think they will still hike a bit more towards uh, 8%, so another 125 bips. Uh, but even that is uh, up for grabs, you know, it's, uh, let's see if they do it. I don't think uh, it's totally, mm -hmm. it's totally necessary. It's not a done deal. All right. Thanks for that, Jose. So I think we're going to have to to close it here. It sounds like central banks across these regions uh, have varying amount of work to do still in terms of their, their tightening cycles. Uh, generally, there is, uh, you know, concern around uh, households and businesses extrapolating wage and current high 
inflation into the future. So they are likely to err on the kind of cautious side and, and, and continue to hike here. Credibility uh, clearly matters. All right, so that, that, that kind of concludes our, our, our podcast for today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Greg and Jose for joining me. Thank you to our listeners for following the Global Data Pod podcast. And we look forward to continuing the conversation in the next episode.